0: old radio old radio old radio old radio
1: old radio
0: comedy,
1: comedy.
0: Welcome to Episode 62 of Season 4 of the Old Radio Comedy Podcast. Dream Time was a comedy variety show that starred Don Amici and Frances Langford as co-hosts on NBC Radio. Sponsored by Procter & Gamble's Dream Shampoo, the show usually opened with the Langford singing a musical number before she and Amici did a comedy skit, usually with co-star Danny Thomas or Gail Gordon. After another musical number, the last 15 minutes of the show featured Amici and Langford in their famous Bickerson sketch also known as The Honeymoon's Over. Langford played the epic shrew Blanche Bickerson, and Amici her tormented poor husband John, who is forced to remain awake every night while his wife constantly complains and torments him. John Brown was a prolific radio actor, starring in hundreds of episodes of dozens of different radio shows from the 30s through the 50s. Despite most of his famous roles being spoken in an American accent, Brown was actually British. He played John Doe in Texco Star Theater's version of Fred Allen's Allen's Alley. He played Irma's boyfriend, Al, in My Friend Irma. Played both Gillis and Digby Digger O'Dell in The Life of Riley, which he also reprised in the first incarnation of the television show, and Thorny in the radio version of The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet. He also starred as Broadway in the Damon Runyon Theatre, arguably his most famous role. Brown also starred in supporting roles in several films in the 40s and the 50s, such as in Alfred Hitchcock's Strangers on a Train, uh, The Day the Earth Stood Still, and the movie The Life of Riley. He died in 1957 of a heart attack aged 53. Now sit back and enjoy the March 12, 1948 broadcast of Dreamtime and the January 11, 1947 broadcast of The Life of Riley, starring John Brown.
2: From Hollywood, it's Dreamtime! Dreamtime! Ladies and gentlemen, the makers of Green Shampoo are pleased to present the 12th in a series of new programs produced by Carlton Alsop and starring Don Amici... Blanche, let me sleep, will you? Danny Thomas. Progress. You call
3: this progress? Kaiser is driving Fraser on, on a motorcycle.
2: <laughs> and our glamorous dream girl, Frances Langford, who sings...
4: The moon belongs to everyone. For you and me, the flowers in spring, the robins that sing, the sunbeams that shine, they're yours, they're mine. Dream. Right.
5: Never before dream could any shampoo reveal all the natural brilliance of your hair.
2: Never before dream could any shampoo leave your hair so lustrous yet so easy to manage. When you dream your hair, you bring out all its sparkling highlights. When you dream your hair, you glamorize all its soft, thrilling texture. And when you dream your hair, you remove all luster-dulling soap film and unsightly dandruff. More, Green's rich whipped cream lather leaves your hair easier to set... Easier to curl, easier to arrange, right after shampooing.
5: So, for lovely, lustrous hair, for all types of hair...
2: Use Dream Shampoo with hair conditioning action. Never before Dreen could any shampoo leave your hair so lustrous, yet so easy to manage. D-R-E-N-E, Dream Shampoo. And now, here is your host for the evening, Don Amici. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, and good evening. Francis, before you get away, I want to tell you that I thought your song was delightful. And Toby, your commercial was stimulating. And Carmen, your music was magnificent. Boy, you feel great tonight, don't you? Dan? Oh, I certainly do, Carmen. You realize that it's March, the month of heralds Spring? Oh, I just love March. Beautiful March. Me too. In fact, I'm looking forward to every month this year, romantic April,
3: delightful May, enchanting June, exotic July.
2: Carmen, you've got the soul of a poet. No, I've got an Esquire calendar. (laughs) Well, I hope you and your calendar are very happy together. But as for me, I have spring fever. Uh, Francis. Yes, Don? I'd like to drop over to your house about 8.30 tonight. I'll put the top down of my convertible, and... and Oh,
5: I'm so sorry, Don, but I sort of half promised Danny Thomas I'd keep him company while he's experimenting with his new chemistry set.
2: Oh, Francis, do you know what you're letting yourself in for? He won't pay any attention to you. He's had his eye glued to that microscope for three days now.
5: Three days?
2: Yes, that poor soul is trying to outstare a germ. (laughs) He hasn't got an ounce of romance in his body.
5: Oh, I'm sure he has, Don. Did you ever notice his soulful round eyes?
2: Did you ever see square ones? (laughs) Why, As far as he's concerned, spring is just... Oh, there he is now. The germ must have won.
5: Danny! Danny Thomas! (laughs) Hello, everybody. Isn't it wonderful, Danny?
2: What's wonderful?
5: Spring will soon be here.
2: It will? Yeah, can't you feel it? Can't you feel those soft, balmy breezes? Does something to a man, eh, Danny? Oh,
3: I know just what you mean, Don. You do? Yeah, it makes you want to get out the old kite and fly the tail on that boy. <laughs>
2: hey, uh, uh, Danny, have you,
3: have you ever thought about girls? Oh, girls. They fascinate me every time I see them walking down the street in their dainty open-toed shoes. Sure, I, I think about them a lot.
5: What do you think about them, Danny? will not their toes ever get cold?
1: <laughs>
5: <laughs> Look,
3: Danny, when
2: a fellow's your age, he doesn't spend all his evenings reading popular mechanics or building a speckled bird's egg collection. Doesn't romance mean anything
3: to you? Of course it does, Don. If I may quote from the classics, in the words of the immortal Hildegard.
2: She's wonderful, Hildegard.
3: I should only wear my nose the way she wears her hair. Je vous aime beaucoup. Toujours le mot, mon petit chéri.
5: Oh, that's beautiful, Danny. What does it mean?
3: If I knew, wouldn't I say it in English? (laughs) You see, what did
2: I tell you, Francis? Danny, you ought to get yourself a girl.
3: Ah, love is only for women.
2: I've heard of a few men who are interested in it, too. But I'm afraid there'll never be any romance in your life.
3: Uh, I guess you're right, Don. I'm kind of like parsley on a piece of fish. I look all right, but nobody wants me.
5: (laughs) Oh, I wouldn't say that, Danny. I'm sure there must be somebody.
3: Well, yesterday I did have kind of a date with the girl next door who went to the movies, and the three of us had a great time. The three of you? Yeah, me and my girl and the fellow I brought along for her. You brought a fellow along for your girl? Yeah, she makes me. She's boy crazy.
2: <laughs>
6: Obviously.
3: He wasn't much of a fellow though, a little on the dumb side. The dumb side. Yeah, what a dope. spend seventy five cents to see a movie and waste the whole evening hugging and kissing my girl.
1: <laughs> your girl? That sounds
2: a bit like an overstatement.
3: Oh, no, it isn't, Don. She told me that her heart belongs to me. She did? It's just that the rest of her likes to go out with other
2: fellows. <laughs> Danny, maybe you better stick to your chemistry set. What do you mean? Oh, you're not with it. You're not on the ball. In everyday life, you're just not making any progress. Progress?
3: <laughs> you know why I'm not making any progress? Because I don't want to. You think this age of speed and tempo is good for you?
2: Well, frankly, I never gave it much thought. Um, give it some thought, Don progress.
3: Have you seen the new 1948
2: cars? No, but I'd like to buy one. I can't afford a used car.
3: <laughs> I'm serious about this. Things are moving too fast. You know, they say the two biggest features on the new cars are air brakes and unbreakable windshields. Now you can speed up to 200 miles an hour and stop on a dime. Then you press a special button and a putty knife scrapes you off the windshield. <laughs> a handy gadget. Well, don't take it so lightly, Don. I mean, there's such a thing as too much progress. For instance, one of man's most priceless privileges, sitting down to dinner with his family, simple little pleasure like that is in jeopardy. Why, the other day, my doctor showed me the latest invention in medical science. It's a little pill. Contains the equivalent of an entire meal. Soup, salad, steak, baked potato, choice of three vegetables, a cup of (laughs) coffee and a big piece of apple pie a la mode, and two toothpicks.
1: (laughs)
2: You're joking. No,
3: I'm not. I tried one, but a horrible thing happened. When I took the pill, it was upside down. Well, what's so
2: horrible about that? I ate the dessert first.
1: <laughs> what happened to the
2: toothpicks? Don't be such a wise guy, really. Oh, now, wait a minute, Danny. Progress has more good features than bad ones. Have you read about the new stockings for women guaranteed not to get runs? They're made out of cold wood, and rubber. So what? Instead of runs, they'll get blinkers, splinters, and blowouts.
1: <laughs> Inventions, inventions, innovations.
3: Years ago, when a woman wanted to go to sleep, she simply put on a nightgown and went to bed. The day before she gets into bed, she puts on hair crimpers, wrinkle erasers, dimple depressors, ear flatteners, nose straighteners. If a man wants to kiss his wife goodnight, he has to battle his way through $12 worth of hardware.
1: (laughs)
2: You know, Danny, you got me convinced. Let's both go back and play with your chemistry set.
3: Now you're talking sense, Don. <laughs> Progress is all right, but it has to be harnessed. Now, look, I'd like to show you my new formula. It'll revolutionize present-day living. What is it? Beverage. Uh,
2: what's it made of? Shh. <laughs> liquid. <laughs> mm, a liquid
3: beverage. Yeah, I'll tell you about it. Mm. Now, we're studying for thought. And research and more thought, I have discovered something new. My magic elixir is a wonderful fixer of anything
2: that's wrong with you.
3: I'll bottle it and I'll attain fame. The whole world will honor my name. Drink Thomas Cola. And you'll whistle at the girls once more If you're half alive And you're 95 Thomas Cola makes you feel like 94 (laughs) Thomas Cola It has sparkle And it's cool and keen I can't rave enough You will love the stuff Unless you don't like the taste of kerosene Now if you're looking drawn And you're feeling duller. You really have no excuse. Thomas Cola will give your cheek some color. Purple, blue, and chartreuse.
4: (laughs)
1: Drink
3: Thomas Cola. Fill your glass and take a healthy slug. It's a real surprise. Makes your spirit rise. While the rest of you just lies there on the rug.
4: Thomas
2: Ciccola. Listen to testimonials from all over the world. From Milan, Italy, we hear from Mr. Antonio Garibaldi Tommaso.
3: Well, I tell you. <laughs> I first tried Thomas Cola when I was a 20 years old. And today, ten years later, I'm very happy to say I'm now 30 years old.
1: <laughs> Thomas
3: Cola, That's a thing. That's why I'm as happy as it can be. I drink wine fill my top as she blows. And with Thomas Cola, I always wash her my clothes.
4: <laughs> Cola.
2: And now we hear from the Earl of Thomas, one of the leading literary lights of England, being interviewed.
5: Milord, if you had your choice, would you select wine or Thomas Cola?
3: Wine or Thomas Cola, you say? Well, my lady, wine, when aged in casks of choice elk, pervades my spirit like exotic incense. A thousand violins rub in my head. I am wafted in fleecy clouds to the seventh heaven above the seventh heaven.
1: <laughs> I respond
3: to its delicacy of flavor with the infinite me that has existed throughout the eternity. Whereas, my lady, Thomas Cola.
4: Yes?
3: Yes? Thomas Cola makes me burp.
1: Thomas <laughs> And now
2: in Lower Africa, let's listen to Mr. Thomas himself addressing a group of natives.
3: Ogla, Ugwa, Wambo, Bola, Zango, Bango, Thomas Cola. Kanza, Kango, Lalba, Wa'o, nico, Baka, Mandaba.
2: Not seventy-five, but one hundred percent true.
5: Yes, it's one hundred percent true. Dream shampoo actually reveals all the natural sparkle, all the sheen, all the dazzling brilliance of your hair. Right.
2: Never before Dream could any shampoo leave your hair so lustrous. Now that's because Dream is not a soap shampoo, so can't leave dulling soap film on your hair to hide its natural beauty. And what's more, Dream does not dry out your hair. Instead, its fragrant, freshening, whipped cream leather leaves your hair sublimely smooth, beautifully behaved, easier to set, and arrange right after shampooing. And Green removes unsightly dandruff the first time you use it.
5: So, for lovely, lustrous hair, for all types of hair, dry, normal, or oily, use Green Shampoo with Hair Conditioning Action.
2: Use Green at home or ask for Green at your beauty shop. Buy Dream at all drug department or Ten Cent stores in the familiar blue and yellow package. Remember, never before Dream could any shampoo leave your hair so lustrous yet so easy to manage.
5: Yes, your hair can have that dazzling sheen the very first time that you use dream.
2: Yes, your hair can have that dazzling sheen the very first time that you use dream. <laughs> And now Don and Francis Langford as John and Blanche Pickerson with Danny Thomas as Brother Amos in The Honeymoon Is Over. <laughs> and here's lovely Francis Langford to a special arrangement of Sonata by Carmen Dragon and the
1: orchestra. <laughs> sonata.
2: Francis Langford. And now, as we promised you, Don Amici and Francis Langford as John and Blanche Bickerson with Danny Thomas' as brother Amos in The Honeymoon is Over, written by Phil Rapp. The Bickersons have retired. Mrs. Bickerson wrestles the bedclothes in sympathetic agony as poor husband John, victim of a rare type of insomnia which manifests itself in alternate periods of coma and narcolepsy, reaches the crisis during an acute stage of the ailment. Listen. So scars,
1: isn't
5: Oh dear, now he's scaring himself to death. Are you in pain?
2: Are you in pain, Blanche?
5: What's the matter with you?
2: What's the matter, Blanche?
5: Stop repeating everything I say like a parrot. Why do you repeat everything? Eh? Hmm? Why do you repeat everything?
2: You just said that.
5: I know I did.
2: Why do you repeat everything? Keep repeating everything like a parrot.
5: Very funny. I'll bet you're a riot with those broken down friends of yours. I never want them in this house again.
2: None of my friends have ever been in this house.
5: Why not? Are you ashamed of me? I'm
2: not ashamed of you.
5: Then why don't you invite them here? Because they're a bunch of bums.
2: They're not bums.
5: When we got married, I gave up all my girlfriends. Why don't you do it?
2: Okay, I'll give up all your girlfriends.
4: (laughs) I
5: wish we could meet some nice people. You should belong to a lodge or something. Why don't you join the Elks, John?
2: I'll join next week.
5: You say it, but you won't do it. Why don't you join now? What? Go on, get up and join me out. <laughs>
2: are you out of your mind? It must be three o'clock in the morning.
5: It's only half past two.
2: Oh, why don't you let me sleep? You know I have to get up early.
5: I won't let you sleep, because if you sleep, you'll snore. Then you'll wake me, and I'll wake you, and we'll argue, and I won't get any sleep.
2: I promise, I won't snore.
5: You always snore. Week in, week out. On Monday you snore Tuesday you snore Wednesday you snore Thursday you snore Friday you snore Saturday you snore So what do you do tonight? Oh, What's the use? He's having that dream again
4: John, John
5: You said you wouldn't snore Yes, dear Turn over on your side
2: Yes, dear Yes, dear (laughs) What did you say,
5: Blanche? I didn't say anything That was an automobile backfiring Oh John
2: Hmm?
5: Close the window It's cold outside
2: If I close the window Will it be warmer outside?
5: (laughs) Oh, get up and close it I'm freezing to death
2: Put a pan under it I'll have the plumber in the morning
5: (laughs) John, I have indigestion I've never been so sick In all my life
2: All right, Blanche I'm awake. Now, what's the matter with you?
5: I don't feel good, John. Call the doctor.
2: You don't need the doctor. I'll handle it. Where does it hurt you?
5: Right here, in the pit of my stomach. It's a shooting pain, and it comes about every five minutes.
2: How long does it last?
5: At least a quarter of an hour.
2: How can it last a quarter of an hour if it comes every five minutes?
4: (laughs) Don't
5: yell at me. I'm sick. If I say the pain lasts a quarter of an hour, then it lasts a quarter of an hour. Okay. I think it's that dinner we ate at the Goosebees. The fish disagreed with me.
2: It wouldn't dare.
1: I never want
5: to eat there again. Every mouthful was poison. And the portions were so small.
2: Why, you ate like you were condemned.
5: Well, you have to be polite when you go to dinner. I wish we hadn't eaten anything. I'm suffering so, call
4: the
2: doctor. Oh, now, don't get hysterical. It's just indigestion. I know how to treat it. I'll fix you some hot ginger ale and oatmeal.
5: (laughs) Hot ginger ale?
2: Make a new man of you.
5: John Dickerson, I don't want any of your insane remedies. You'll treat me for indigestion and I'll probably die of liver trouble. Listen, if I
2: treat you for indigestion, you'll die of indigestion. (laughs) Now, do you want me to help you or not?
5: Not if you're going to yell at me like that. You wouldn't yell at Gloria Gooseby if she got me. Now,
2: don't start with Gloria Gooseby.
5: I saw you two at the dinner table playing footsies.
2: Footsies.
1: You were so
5: flustered when she smirked at you, you couldn't eat. I was not flustered. Then why did you put gravy on your ice cream? I always put
4: gravy on my ice cream.
2: (laughs) I love gravy on anything and you know it.
5: A likely story. Ah. And the gown that woman was wearing, she ought to be arrested. I think she purposely swallowed that fish bone so you could stroke her back.
2: I didn't stroke her back, I patted it. Might have done that if she hadn't swallowed the fish bone.
5: I mean, if
4: she hadn't been wearing that gown.
5: I don't know how Leo stands for it. He's such a wonderful man, and Gloria's always playing sick around him just to get sympathy. Uh... A lot you care what happens to me. Every time Gloria gets a headache, Leo hugs and kisses her and falls over. Why don't you do that?
2: I'm never there when she has a headache.
5: <laughs> I mean, why don't you fuss over me?
2: Now, listen, Blanche, you're not sick and you know it.
5: Well, I'm depressed. You're going out of town tomorrow, and I'll be so lonesome, I'll die.
2: I'm only going overnight. I'll be back on Tuesday.
5: You cared for me. You wouldn't leave me. I'm not
2: leaving you. I have to go on business, and I won't be gone over 24 hours.
5: Suppose a burglar breaks in the house and finds me.
2: It'll serve him right. (laughs) Now let me sleep, please, Blanche. I have to make an early train.
5: We've never been separated before. I'm afraid absence will conquer your love.
2: Oh, no. The longer I'm away from you, the better I'll like you.
5: I don't like the way that sounded.
2: Well, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to do?
5: Say absence makes the heart grow fonder.
2: Absence makes the heart grow fonder.
5: That's the most stupid saying in the world. What? Look at what happened to Mel Shaw. He left his wife alone for two weeks, and now he's the unhappiest man alive. And you know why?
2: She was still there when he came home
5: was not. Louise got lonesome and she ran off with the upholsterer. When Mel came home and found out what happened, he went right out and got so drunk, they had to take him to a sanitarium.
2: Why, he ought to be ashamed of himself. Why? A man should wait at least a week before celebrating. (laughs) Good
5: night. Don't be so smart. You might come home and find things changed, too.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
5: Go on. Stay away from home for a month. Stay away for a year. See if I care.
2: I'm only going for one day.
5: Run all over the country. Go to Europe. Never let me know where you are. Just keep me sitting here wondering whether you're alive or dead. Blanche! Why don't you write to me, John?
1: <laughs>
2: now listen to me, Blanche. You have only one object in mind, and that is to keep me awake.
5: I just want you to tell me you love me.
2: I love you. Now, are you
5: satisfied? How much do you love me?
2: How much do you need? <laughs>
5: I saw the most stunning hat, John If I get it, I'm sure I won't feel so depressed
2: $45 for a hat That's a fine cure for depression That'll start one
5: Women need those things to cheer them up Look at Clara, my oldest sister Every time she's in the dump, she buys a dress
2: I figured that's where she bought her clothes (laughs) I'm not
5: giving you $45 for any hat And that's
2: final, now let me sleep
5: Oh, I hate you How my mother begged me not to marry you She pleaded with me not to marry you
2: Your mother told you not to marry
5: me? Yes, she did.
2: Dear heaven, how I've misjudged that woman.
5: (laughs) Oh, you'll be sorry for this, John Bickerson. You just wait and see.
2: Please, Blanche, I'm so tired and I have to make a 7 o'clock train. That means I have to get up before 6.
5: Why do you need so much time? Well,
2: I have to pack my suitcase, don't I?
5: You haven't got a suitcase.
2: Oh, I have to. I bought a brand new one yesterday. It's in the closet.
5: No, it isn't.
2: Yes, it is. I put it there last
5: night. I took it out this morning. What? What? Amos borrowed it.
2: Oh, Blanche, he didn't. You didn't let that weasel take my brand new suitcase. I've never even used it. Don't
5: scream so. You can carry your stuff in a paper bag. (laughs) Paper bag?
2: My suits will get all wrinkled.
5: No, they won't. Amos borrowed them, too. (laughs) Now, look, Blanche. I see no reason for you to carry on like this. Blanche. Amos is going on a sailing trip with some very important businessmen, and he won't hurt your silly old suitcase. Blanche. He has to have something to bring the fish home in.
4: He's going to carry
2: fish in my suitcase, and I have to put my clothes in a gunny sack.
5: Well, stay home, then. I can't
2: stay home.
5: If you leave me here alone in this horrid house, Laura and I. All right,
2: all right, all right. I'll call Amos. I'll have him come over and stay here till I get back. Put the lights on. Thomas oh. must it. If I don't go on this trip tomorrow, I'm liable to lose my job. Hello? Amos, this is John.
3: Hi, Jacko. What's new?
2: Say, I, I want to ask a little favor, Amos. I have to go out of town tomorrow, and Blanche is afraid to stay here alone. Could you come over and spend the night?
3: What's in it for me?
2: What a chiseler.
3: <laughs> is it worth a double sawbuck, Jocko?
2: Okay, $20. And all
3: the bourbon I can drink?
2: All the bourbon you can drink.
3: And can I bring a couple of friends over?
2: Bring some friends.
3: Take a note. You won't back out, Jocko.
2: I give you my word of honor.
3: Okay, I'll be over tomorrow.
2: Uh, wait, Amos, when you come over, uh, uh, you might bring my new suitcase with you.
3: I might bring it, but I won't. Because <laughs> I already hacked it.
2: Good night, Jacko. Ooh, oh, how I hate that man. You see what you make me go through just because you pretend you're scared to be alone?
5: Aren't you going to be alone? What? Mother's coming over to stay for the rest of the year.
2: Good night, John. Oh, uh... This is Donovan. She wishes good day's good nights, and good luck until we meet again. Everybody's talking about DREFT, the greatest
7: dishwashing discovery in 2,000 years. DREFT, DREFT, DREFT. Procter and Gamble's something miracle that gets dishes so clean they shine, even without wiping. Yes, it makes even glasses sparkle like jewels. DREFT simply can't leave any streaks on dishes the way all soaps do. Why, with DREFT, your nicest glassware positively shines. DREFT is
2: kind to your hands, too. Get DREFT in the bright green package. That's DREFT, DREFT. <laughs> Remember, never before dream, yes, never before dream could any shampoo reveal 100% of the natural luster of your hair. Listen next Sunday for another pleasant half hour with Don Amici, Danny Thomas, Francis Langford, Carmen Dragon, and his orchestra.
4: This is
1: NBC, the national Broadcasting D. W. D.
7: It starts with B and ends with T. That's Dref, the greatest Suds discovery in two thousand years. Dref brings you the life of Riley. Dref, D R E F T. Dref, Procter and Gamble's Sudsing miracle for washing silks, nylons, woolens, dishes. Presents the life of Riley with William Bendix as Riley. Chester A. Riley and his co-worker Jim Gillis get to talking about their respective sons, a verbal sparring match invariably results. Right now, Gillis is leading with an innuendo.
8: Hey, you
9: give me a big pain, Riley. Always exaggerating about your
8: junior. Now, wait a minute, Gillis. All I said was my junior is a normal boy. Well, that's exaggerating. Is that so? I don't see your Egbert on a school basketball team. So what? It don't
9: take brains to bounce a ball. Now, you take my Egbert. He's got a head on his shoulders.
8: So that's what that thing is.
1: <laughs> take a
8: tip from me, Gillis. Don't let him stick that head into a vegetable store or some purple salad sell it for a squash.
1: <laughs> Very humoresque. <laughs> but all
9: your junior does is
8: fool around. Ain't a time he thought about getting a job. No, he's too young. There's plenty of time for him to go to work after he gets married. And his wife loses her job.
9: (laughs) Well, my egg weight
8: ain't no loafer like your junior.
9: He's working already after school. Puts in three hours a day at a big plant.
8: Uh, Well, my boy don't have to work for starvation wages for strangers. He can always work for me. (laughs) If Junior needs money, he knows that if he mows the lawn, cleans the garage, empties the incinerator, and puts out the garbage, I'm always good for a dime.
9: My egg boy ain't working for the money. He signed up in the employment training program at school. Employment training? Ain't Junior told you about it? Well, I... I thought not. See, this is a special course to give boys industrial experience.
8: Uh, What good's
9: that? Wait till (laughs) he get out of school. You'll see what's the good. While your junior is unemployed, my egg bait lands a job as superintendent for a big corporation. And he works hard. In a few years, he's general manager. And your junior's still unemployed. And he keeps on working hard. Soon he's president. But your junior's still unemployed. And then my egg bait retires and don't work no more.
8: So what did he accomplish with all his hard work? He winds up a bum just like junior. <laughs> the facts with your face, Riley.
9: My egg bite's heading for success. But your junior's gonna wind up a flop. And why? No ambition. And whose fault is that?
8: His mother's? No, it's your fault. Because you brought him up to be like you. He is not like me. He's a fine boy. And he's got plenty of ambition. (laughs) Plenty of ambition,
9: huh? Then why ain't he taking this course?
8: Well, uh... Uh, well, I'll tell you why. Because I brought my boy up not to do nothing until he hears from me. And when I get home, he's going to hear from me.
1: <laughs> and then what do you think, Junior?
8: Gillis had the nerve to say that you wouldn't take this training course.
10: Why, well, it sounds like a wonderful course. Well, sure.
8: That's why I told Gillis you'd jump at the chance. It's all decided, huh, Junior, you'll do it.
10: Would you like to, Junior?
8: sure he would.
10: Riley, please let the boy make his own decision.
8: Oh, sure, sure. I ain't forcing him. Go on, Junior. Make your own decision to do it.
11: Well, no, Pop. I don't want to take that
8: course. What do you mean you don't want to take the course? I'm still your father, and I order you to take the course.
10: Now, wait, Riley. If he doesn't want
11: to take it...
8: Please, let him make his own decision.
11: (laughs) But I can't take that course. I'm busy every afternoon. I've got basketball practice. Basketball?
8: Where will that get you in the business world? You don't see Rockefeller in the stock exchange running around in his underwear shooting field goals.
10: Oh, Riley, I don't understand you. You were the one who kept urging Junior to go in for basketball?
8: Oh, yes, but now I see that there's more important things than basketball. When Junior goes and applies for a big job, he's got to be able to do something else besides dribble. (laughs) Well, Junior, go on, make your decision. I don't want to go to work.
10: Well, that settles
8: that. It don't settle nothing. The boy don't know his own mind. Look, son, this course is important for your future. You get wonderful training, and now's the time to get it. What do you want to be
1: when you grow up, a
8: success or a failure?
11: I just want to be like you, Pop.
1: <laughs>
8: nothing doing. You'll be a success.
10: <laughs>
8: the trouble with you, Junior, you ain't got any ambition.
10: Oh, Riley, he's still
8: young. Never mind. When I was his age, I was already thinking of my career. Day and night, I dreamed of following the sea. So what did I do? For the next five years, I studied navigation so as I could get a job. And I got one. <laughs> yes,
10: a deckhand kind on of the Satin Island
5: Ferry.
8: <laughs> well, that was only temporary. I quit after eight years. <laughs> I only mentioned it to show you how important the ambition is. Well, what do you say to you? You make your decision.
11: Well, I I don't know, Pop. Maybe. What do
8: you mean, maybe? Either you'll do it or you won't do it.
11: All right, then. I won't do it. Wait wait a minute, Junior.
8: (laughs) Junior, let's go back to maybe.
11: (laughs) Oh, Pop. I really don't want to do it. All right.
8: Don't do it. So this is how Uh, you repay me. After all I've done for you, this is how you make it up to me for the pain and suffering I went through bringing you into the world. (laughs) Ask your mother.
11: Oh, gee, Pop. Now I ask you to do one little thing for your own good. All right, Pop. I'll do it. That's enough.
8: You will? Honest?
11: Yeah, I'll sign up tomorrow. Oh,
8: that's well, son. You see, there's nothing like making your own decision. <laughs> and believe me, Junior, you'll never regret it. This may be the beginning of a big career.
10: It'll make it easier for you to get a job when you graduate. Oh,
8: well, sure. Why, just like that, you'll be able to get a job in a big plant like, like, like General Motors. And you work hard. And pretty soon you're General Manager. And then Vice President. And then President. President? Yes, sir. And just remember, I'm the guy that helped put you there. But I don't want no reward, Junior. When you're the head of General Motors 20 years from today, All I want is your influence to get me a new
1: 1946
6: Chevrolet.
11: Gee, Mr. Stevenson, I never thought the school would send me to the same plant where my father
6: worked. Well, Junior, I like to encourage father-son teams in the plant, so when I saw your name on the list, the school sent out, I asked for you.
11: Boy, it'll be swell working with
6: Pop. Yes, but just remember this. In business, it's wise to forget the Pop stuff. Looks bad in front of the other employees. So while you're in the plant, your father is just employee number 79.
11: 79. Yes, sir, I'll remember.
6: Well, it's time we put you to work. We'll start you off in Section D. That's where your father works.
11: You mean I'm going to do riveting?
6: Oh, no, no. You're going to be a sort of assistant to the new efficiency expert. Here, all your instructions are on this sheet of paper. Just follow them to the letter, and you'll do okay.
11: I'll try, sir. I'll try to be as good a worker as my father.
6: Hmm. <laughs> Come along.
8: Hey, Riley. Riley, wake up. I, uh, what's the matter? Wake up. Well, why, did the whistle blow for lunch?
9: Listen, Riley, you better not let the boss catch you sleeping on a job.
8: Well, I'm doing him a favor. I read a scientific article what proved that if a working man takes a nap for 15 minutes... He stores up 30 minutes extra energy for the use of the boss. Yeah, but you slept an hour. Well, in that case, they owe me overtime.
9: <laughs> you better watch it, Riley. There's a rumor one of them efficiency experts is going to start checking on us today. You know what them slave drivers is
8: like. They're uh, always looking for improvements. If there's eight guys working, they tell you to improve it until four guys can do the same job. Then they say improve it until two guys can do the job. And then they still yell improve it until only one guy can do the job. First thing you know, you've improved yourself into the unemployed. That's right.
9: So what's your peas and carrots?
8: they won't catch me. The minute I see them snooping around, I put on an act. I start looking intelligent.
9: Yeah, but nowadays, you know, they work different. They don't snoop. They just walk right up to you, give you a big smile, shake your hand, and they say, this is just a routine change. And that's
8: the last check you get. Listen, Gillis, I do my work. And right now I feel like resting. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to... Hey, get up. There's the boss. Where? Where? You see him over there by the far door. Oh, yeah. Who's that with him? You you mean that little runt? Yeah. Hey, that must be the new efficiency guy.
9: Oh, brother, I bet an axe is going to fall today. Oh, I ain't scared. Not me.
8: They wouldn't fire me. Gillis, what's the address of that unemployment insurance office?
9: They're stopping at every machine. What's the little guy doing? Nothing. He's just standing there in back of the boss. Uh, probably one of them dopes who don't know what to say. And now Stevenson's leaving. The little guy's coming this way. He got faces familiar.
8: Yeah. Yeah, it does look familiar. You know, if he didn't look so stupid, I might take him. It's <laughs> Junior. My Junior? What's he doing here? I don't know. He. Oh. Oh, it's that school course Junior Junior, here I am Oh, hi You
11: surprised to see me? But well, Junior, why didn't you tell me? Well, I didn't know I was going to be assigned here I'm a helper to the new efficiency expert
8: Oh, oh boy, what a great Gillis! Here we were worried this efficiency expert was going to be some smart guy And it turns out to be my own son Gillis, <laughs> <laughs> from here on in, we're coasting <laughs>
11: All right, break it up I'm the job <laughs>
8: Get a load of him, Gillis. Ain't he great? (laughs) Uh,
11: uh, Come on, now. Get on that machine. No loafing. Now, now, wait a minute,
8: son. Are you forgetting who I am?
11: No. Your number is 79, and you're supposed to do Operation 360, and you've got 30 seconds to do it.
8: But, Junior, I'm your father.
11: Yeah, I know, but you've only got 28 seconds now.
8: I'm your
4: mother's husband.
11: (laughs) 26 seconds. But, Junior? 24 seconds. Oh, gee, please hurry. I'll have
8: to report you to. All right, all right. I'm stopping.
5: That's
4: 15
8: seconds. Eight seconds. Five seconds. Oh, Jess. What did I ever do to deserve this? There he stands. My own son, timing me with the watch I gave him for Christmas.
7: All we'll be back in a minute. Now, this is Ken Carpenter speaking for Dreft. Procter & Gamble's such miracle that gets dishes so clean they shine even without wiping. Maybe you've wondered why Dreft can work such wonders in your dishpan. Well, here's the reason. Dreft is different from soap. never leaves a cloudy film on dishes the way all soaps do. Drift's amazing sods rinse clean and clear. So because there's no cloudy film to be polished off, your draft wash dishes and glasses dry with a brilliant sparkle, polished or not. And you say, what about that bugaboo, the sticky grease on pots and pans? Just listen. Dreft gets rid of grease the way no soap in the world can do and pans come shining clean and fast. And fast action on grease really cuts your dishwashing time. Another advantage of Dreft important to you women who do dishes three times a day. Dreft suds are kind to your hands. Yes, you women who wash your lovely lingerie and nylons in Dreft. You know how mild those rich Dreft suds are to delicate colors. Dreft is as non-alkaline as pure drinking water. So ladies, for dishes that shine in half the time, get Dreft in the bright green package. Draft the amazing Sud's discovery that gets dishes so clean they shine even without wiping. And now back to the life of Riley with William Bendix as Riley. When Riley urged his son Junior to take a part-time job in a plant as part of the industrial training course at school, he never dreamed that Junior would be assigned to the very same plant where Riley is employed. Now, Junior's job is that of an apprentice time engineer. And one of the men he's been timing for the past three days happens to be his own. Father. Well,
8: how was that, Junior?
11: Ten seconds too slow. Uh, Speed up. You'll have to go faster.
8: Faster? How much faster can I go?
11: I'm sorry, but you'll have to do it. That's order. But
8: Junior. I... You better hurry. You ain't human. I didn't raise a son. I raised a monster. A Frankfurter! Faster!
11: Faster! Faster. What'd you stop for? Why did you stop? Because
8: I want to scratch my nose, and I like to use both hands. Do you mind...
11: Knock off for lunch
8: Oh, it's about time Oh, am I tired I can hardly open my lunchbox Well, let's see what Fred Davis Oh, egg sandwiches Oh, boy Oh, that's good I like it Junior, you don't have to time me while I'm eating
1: (laughs) Hello,
10: dear. How'd it go today?
1: That
8: slave driver. He's nothing but a Simon Legree. He's heartless.
10: He's... Riley, I thought you made a resolution not to call your boss names.
8: Who's talking about the boss? I'm referring to your son.
10: Riley, he's our
1: son.
8: Yeah, but it's your half that's making me work so hard. He ain't letting me stop for one minute since he's been in that plant.
10: Now, dear, Junior's only doing his job, same as you do yours. Besides, this was all your idea.
8: Well, now I got another idea. He's resigning.
10: But you wanted him to get some training so he could be a success. Yeah, but
8: I also want to be around to enjoy it. The way he's been driving me, I won't last much longer.
10: Oh, (laughs) stop it. It isn't that bad. Oh,
8: ain't it? Look, look, he's ruining my arms. He's putting muscles in them. Look. (laughs)
11: Hello, dear. Hello,
8: Pop. Number 79
11: to you. <laughs> oh, Pop, we aren't in the plant now. Relax. Relax, huh? How many seconds I got to do that
1: <laughs>
11: Don't be like that, Pop. I was just doing my job. You said a fellow should always do his job, no matter what. Of course.
10: Now, don't be childish, Riley. Uh,
11: Anyway, after tomorrow, I'm being switched to another department. uh, It's about time. I just have to hand in my report on the men I timed, and then I go to work in the tool shop. Oh, and say, look, I got paid $4.50. Take it, Mom.
10: Oh, Oh, no, Junior.
11: You keep it, dear. Nah, go on. Take it. Buy yourself something. No, that
10: money ought to go to the one who worked for it.
8: Your mother's right. Give it to me.
1: Finally.
8: All right, all right. But we'll never get rich this way. He earns four and a half, and I spend five for liniment.
10: Oh, uh, yeah, Mom? Isn't it time you were in bed? Oh, I,
11: I gotta finish this report for Mr. Stevenson.
10: My, it's taking you a long
11: time. Well, I'm almost finished, only... Well, I don't know what to report about one man in the department. What man? Well, I can't mention names. It's confidential. Oh? But you see, this man isn't a very good worker. He's pretty slow, and a couple of times, I caught him sleeping on the job.
10: Oh, it's your
11: father. Oh, no, Pop's a wonderful worker. He's about the best. Well, this other man, well, I really shouldn't tell you, but his name is Gleason. And if I tell the truth in the report, he's liable to get fired.
10: Well, then, don't report him.
11: But then I wouldn't be doing my job. I don't know what to do. Oh, it is a problem. Hey, hey where are you? Look, dear. Why don't you ask your father's advice? Oh, no, I can't. Mr. Stevenson said I shouldn't discuss it with any
10: employee. Well, you don't have to mention names. Well, I don't know. Hey! Oh, I'm in Junior's room. Uh, well, what's going on dear? Oh, nothing, dear. Uh, Junior wants to ask your advice about something.
8: Oh, okay, sure. What's the trouble, Junior? Well, I...
10: I'll leave you two alone to talk it over. All right. Brother.
8: Well, what's uh, what's bothering you, son?
11: Oh, Never mind, Pop. I better not talk about it.
8: Oh. uh, And when you're worried, the best thing to do is talk about it. That's what I always do. The way I figure it, the brain is like a room. The mouth is like a ventilator. And when I worry, the room gets hot and stuffy. So I open my ventilator and let the hot air out. Well, it's this report for Mr. Stevenson. Oh, well, what's the problem? They're all a bunch of good guys in my department.
11: Yeah, all except one. Yeah, who's he? Well, I can't tell you it's confidential. But if I tell the truth about how this man works, he's liable to get fired.
8: Now, look, son. You were given a job. It's your duty to do it on no matter what. But I don't want to get the man fired. No, neither do I. But that ain't our responsibility. That's up to the boss. All you got to do is tell the truth in your report.
1: Well, Believe I... Believe
8: me, son, in the business world, there's no room for sentiment. Duty comes first.
1: <laughs>
11: I guess you're right, Pop. I'll have to do it. But it, it's kind of a dirty trick to report all these things. What then? Well, he's always falling asleep in the job and, and calling
8: the boss names. Oh, I see. Well, if he's that type of... Uh...
1: Uh...
8: Junior, have pity on this poor man. You can't report him. He's got a family to support.
11: Oh, you guessed who it is. Oh, I didn't want you to know. Junior, don't do it. Have mercy for my sake. But, Pop, there's no room for sentiment in business. Who's been filling your head with such stupid
8: nonsense? Well, you just said it, Pop. Oh, well, I I, I didn't mean it. I was wrong. No, Pop, you weren't wrong. Don't contradict me. When I say I'm wrong, I'm right. (laughs) Junior, you you just can't do this. Think how I'll feel. My own son doing a thing like this. But,
11: Pop, you said duty comes... Never mind.
8: You shouldn't listen to every Tom, Dick, and Harry who opens my big mouth.
1: (laughs)
11: I'm sorry, Pop, but I'll just have to do my duty. Thanks for straightening me out.
8: Well, that's your final answer?
11: Yes, Pop. My conscience won't let me do anything else.
8: All right. Have it your way. But the next time you want some extra money, go to your conscience and get it from him. <laughs> what a son. Squealing on his own father. Thanks for straightening me out, he says. If he hands in that report, who's going to straighten me out?
12: Perhaps I can be of
1: assistance.
12: (laughs) Who's that? It is I, Digby O'Dell, the friendly undertaker. (laughs) Greetings, Riley. You're looking fine. Very natural.
8: (laughs) Honest, Digger, I feel terrible. I got trouble with my
12: boy again. Ah, yes. Boys can be a headache. Yesterday, some boys stole a sign from a laundry and hung it on the door of my place of business. Oh, so I was furious. Well, why? What did the sign say? Free pickup and delivery.
1: <laughs>
12: well, what Junior's going to
8: do is worse. He works in my plant part-time, and his job is to hand in a report on how I work and it's going to be a bad report.
12: Oh, I know how you feel. When I was an apprentice, an efficiency expert handed in a report on how I work. In it he said, O'Dell works like a beaver.
8: Well, what's wrong with
12: that? Oh, that bad? It is indeed. In our profession, you work like a gopher. (laughs)
8: If this report is bad, I can get fired.
12: Have you reasoned with the lad? Oh, it's no use. He's stubborn. Then there's nothing you can do there. In our profession, we have a say. If a man doesn't move when you nudge him, and he pays no heed when you budge him, if he doesn't respond when you bop him, just drop him. Well, there must be something I can do. Eureka! I have it. Has Junior handed in this report yet? No, not yet. He's going to do it this morning. Then you must stop him. How can I? You're his father and legal guardian. Make him quit the job. Then he won't have to hand in a report. That's right. Why didn't I think of that before?
8: Oh, Digger, you're a real pal. I'll remember you as long as I live.
12: And I'll remember you longer than that. (laughs) Well, I'd better get down to the plant and get hold of Junior. In that case, Junior, I'd better be shoveling off.
8: I think that my own son... Hey, Riley, what are you doing up here in the office? I'm looking for Junior. He's going to hand in a bad report on me. I'll get fired. <laughs> Some boy you got. Selling out his own fish and blood.
1: <laughs>
8: I've got to stop him before he gets to
9: Stevenson's. Uh, uh,
8: tough luck, Riley.
9: I seen him go into Stevenson's office about five minutes ago.
8: He's in there
12: already. Yeah, putting the hooks into you.
8: My own son, squealing on me with his own mouth. The same little mouth he used to say, da-da and goo-goo with...
12: Look,
9: Riley, the transom's open. If we get closer, we can hear what he's saying. I don't want to hear it. Come on, maybe it ain't as bad as you think. But kill a sight.
6: This is a fine report, Junior. I'm happy to note that most of the men in the department are hardworking, conscientious, and intelligent.
8: I wish they'd hurry up and get to me already.
6: (laughs) But this one here, he's not only lazy, but a bit on the stupid side.
8: They got to me.
6: You're sure about this, Junior? Now's his chance to back out. You can change your mind, you know.
11: Well... Come on,
6: son, change your mind.
11: I'm sorry, but that's my opinion.
6: I had to have a son
8: who's stubborn like his father.
6: Then you recommend that I fire him, Junior?
11: Well, i think... This is
8: going far enough. I'm going in... No, no, wait, Riley, no,
11: no. I think... I Never
8: mind what you think. Pa! Riley,
6: what's the idea? I'm
8: going to tell you what I think. But, Pa... I'll pop me, you one greater. I'll pop you. Now, listen,
6: Riley. You
8: listen to me. You think you're smart, huh? Getting an innocent little kid to squeal on a father so as you can fire him. Oh, no, You Bob. think you know everything, huh, Stevenson? Well, believe me, there's plenty you don't know. I've been getting away with murder for the last five years.
0: <laughs>
1: like
8: every time I want to sneak out for a smoke, I fix up a dummy at my machine and nobody knows the difference. <laughs> you didn't know that, right. eh? would you
6: please, Piper? Now, remember
8: when you asked for suggestions for improving the company? Remember the note you got that said... Get rid of Stevenson? Well, that was my suggestion.
1: You didn't know that, But, huh? Riley, I am not only that, that.
8: For a year, you've been trying to find out who put the cocoa in the time clock. Well, I did.
1: <laughs> and
6: not only that... Listen, you big dumb clock, we're not talking about you. We're talking about Gleason.
8: And not only that, Force. I'm the biggest liar in the whole planet. <laughs>
7: We'll be back in just a moment. Ladies, your silks, woolens, nylons, and dishes all deserve the very finest care. So use DREFT. Procter & Gamble's Sudsing Miracle gives you faster, brighter, safer cleaning than any suds before in history. Yes, now, with DREFT, you can wash your pretty lingerie, stockings, precious woolens, and know that colors will stay brighter in pressure far longer than with even the most expensive soap plates. Now, that's because DREFT is different from any soap or soap flakes you've ever used. Dreft's amazing suds rinse clean and clear. They leave no dulling film the way all soaps do. And, of course, Drafts the suds to get the dishes so clean they shine even without wiping. Yes, to make glasses sparkle beautifully, whether you polish them or not. So, for faster, brighter, safer cleaning for so many of your nice things, get Dreft in the bright green package. Remember, don't get left, get Draft.
8: And then, Peg, when I found out, I almost fell through the ceiling. Boy, it's lucky for me Stevenson has a sense of humor. Otherwise, I'd have been fired for sure.
10: Oh, Riley, why didn't you talk this over with me last night? I knew it was Gleason who was getting the
8: bad report. Uh, I was ashamed to tell you. I didn't want you to think I was a lazy loafer.
10: Now, wasn't that silly? You should know that after 17 years, you can't keep secrets from me.
8: Oh, Dumplin', you're so understanding.
7: Franklin Gamble makers of dress, the subject miracle for silk, nylons, woolens, dishes, he invites you to be their guests next week. You hear The Life of Riley with William Bendix as Riley. The Life of Riley is produced by Irving Brecker and is directed by Don Bernard. The script is by Alan Lipscott, Ruben Ship, and Henry Posner. Music by Lou Coslow. Mrs. Riley is Paula Winslow, Digger Odell is John Brown, Junior is Tommy Cook, and Stevenson is Ken Christie. This is Ken Carpenter inviting you to listen again next week to the life of Riley and reminding you for faster, brighter, safer cleaning than any suds before in history, use draft. Don't get left, get draft. when Draft the Sandsing Miracle for Silks, Nylons, Woolens, Dishes brings you The Life of Riley. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.
0: Be sure to tune in next time, my friends, for another classic comedy radio show. I'm Greg Fordyce. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.